You are listening to Your Money Story. I am Dawn Thomas, a mother of three, financial advisor by day, and a PhD candidate researching superannuation engagement. Your Money Story is about celebrating your journey, including you in the money conversation, empowering you to take control of your finances, and equalizing your position wherever you are. Let's change how the story ends. The information discussed in this podcast does not take into account your personal, financial, objectives and situation. Before acting on any information discussed here, you should consider its appropriateness, having regard to your objectives, needs and financial situation. This episode, we tackle the topic of financial abuse. 15% of Australian women have experienced financial abuse. Listeners, when I've spoken to women in my circle, a number have opened up, me included, about facing controlling behaviour of their previous partner or seeing that behaviour demonstrated in their home when they were growing up. Whether that has been financial or emotional, your toolkit is a resource to help women prepare to leave these unhealthy relationships and rebuild their life financially. We have Elisa Fear from Your Toolkit to explain this vital resource for vulnerable women. She explains what financial abuse is and why financial independence is especially important for women. All she asks of us as a community is to spread the word about Your Toolkit to your own networks and let women going through any kind of abuse know that they have the support of the community. Welcome to the show, Elisa. Thank you so much for joining us today to talk about a very important topic. Yeah, thank you for having me, Dawn. You seem to me so busy doing everything. You know, you do your your day job, but you're also um, a non-executive director of Financial Toolbox. You know, can you tell me a bit about what you do and, and how you've ended up being connected to Financial Toolbox? So it first came about because I met Lynn Beasley, who was the she was the former West Australian Australian of the Year, and she asked me to join what was then a committee that she chaired for the American Chamber of Commerce. Um, we've moved away from being an AmCham-related group now, but that was the start of what is now Financial Toolbox. And when I first joined the group, we were about providing low-cost financial education for women in a general sense. And whilst that remains part of what we do, we have also diversified into providing um, education and information that's relevant for women facing domestic violence, including financial abuse. And that's the part of Financial Toolbox that I now have primary responsibility for. Personally, what do you want to achieve with your work that you're doing with Financial Toolbox and via your toolkit? So for me, um, your toolkit as a product and Financial Toolbox as an organisation is about being part of something that's bigger and more important than me. Um, We provide critical support to women who through no fault of their own, haven't been so lucky as someone like me. Uh, What I want to achieve with your toolkit is that it provides genuinely useful information that women who are facing violence need and that as many women know about it as possible. I think it's important to acknowledge that I'm not alone in this journey. Financial Toolbox is run by volunteers and we have a very strong relationship with Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand who provide us with incredible support without which we wouldn't be able to do what we do. I'm a financial advisor and before meeting you, Elisa, I did not know about this resource, which I find really, really embarrassing because we are in the business of money, we're in the business of helping people. Um, you know, we want to be able to truly make changes in in people's lives. Um, and I didn't know about the Your Toolkit resources 
Could you tell our listeners what exactly that is? Um, well, first of all, I think you shouldn't be embarrassed about not knowing about it because, as I mentioned, we are largely volunteer-run and uh, marketing hasn't been our strong point. <laughs> uh, we're trying to change that at the moment. Um, your toolkit is an online resource. Uh, we deliberately don't use the term website mm -hmm. because that implies to me a site that you visit to get information about a product or a service or a story. In this case, your toolkit is the service. So we spent several years researching what information women facing domestic mm -hmm. violence need and then put together all that information in one place in a way that the information is quick to find and easy to understand and act on. Yeah, and I can attest to to how well it's laid out. You know, I've been on the website and you've got your categories. Um, so you've got the prepare, launch, nourish and flourish. And mm -hmm. it really outlines everything step by step. It's, it's really so impressive that, you know, you can just go to um, a place and quickly get the information that you need. Um, what sort of information does your toolkit provide women? What we started off with was an idea about educating women about their money um, in this situation so the information would be tailored to the context of them of their lives. But we quite quickly came to the conclusion after doing some research that the education about their money would be more valuable if we put it alongside other information that women need to keep them safe and, and to move, potentially move on from a situation of abuse if that's what they choose to do which is why we've ended up with, with the four sections that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So the first section is about uh, information that women need if they're still living with their, their perpetrator or their abuser. Mm -hmm. It contains information such as technology safety, general safety planning, preparing to leave if that's the path they choose, um, being aware of how to get set up and centrally, how to talk to banks. The second section is about leaving home in an emergency. I've heard some dreadful stories about women fleeing, often with children in tow who don't know who to call or how to help, to get, how to get help. So there's information in this part of your toolkit that supports women in this crisis situation. Uh, the third section, as you mentioned, is about helping women find their feet in the early days of leaving home if that's what they choose to do. It has information on uh, financial assistance that's available, uh, Centrelink and also other financial assistance, getting legal support, accommodation options and staying safe at home and in public. And then the last section of your toolkit hucks back to where we started. Mm. It contains all sorts of information about money, including debt, credit, budgeting, superannuation, etc. But it's written specifically for an audience of women who will have been facing financial abuse. Yeah, I, I saw that last section and I thought how amazing that you know when you go through the steps when they really talk about flourishing you're talking about in the budgeting steps you're talking about really setting those good foundation blocks once you've actually gone through um, and and that's the kind of stuff that you would find um, you know sometimes quite messily represented in certain financial literacy websites but you guys have got it out really clearly like it, it kind of almost gives that sense of there is a new start that is possible once you get through the difficulty of everything there. Like that, that section is there. It's almost like a goal, right, Elisa? You get yeah. through all those steps and you've got, you're going to get the chance to flourish, you know? And I thought that is so powerful just looking at and going through, I was just reading it and going, yeah, that's where we want to get women to. Um, as financial advisors, we take for granted that you're going to start at flourish. 
forgetting all the other steps that someone could be going through as well. And what we've learned in this process, um, Dawn, is that unless the women have been able to secure themselves, they're not ready for this information. They're not ready for the information yes. about finances, which is why we've included all the other information in the same one, one place. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you've mentioned from one of the meetings that we've had in the past that um, if someone's not ready to be able to take on these financial concepts and foundations, almost that, that information and message will be lost. Very much so. get, Yeah, and that was really something that um, you changed the way that I saw things because that didn't occur to me. You know, we, we kind of go in as financial advisors thinking, okay, you're here, you're ready for the conversation. We talk about emotional motivators and things like that. But there's this extra layer there that sometimes people, you know, possibly there may not be so many other people that we are seeing. Um, and that's even more concerning uh, because we want to be able to reach out to the community and know that they are, they're not alone and we want to get them to that point to flourish. Uh, it's, it's a lesson we learned as well. You know, yeah. we, we, we did spend a long time researching before your toolkit came about mm. um, about what we needed and that was a lesson we learned from people who actually are sector experts who told us um, and, and that has led to the development of your toolkit in the way it is. Again, you've mentioned in the past when we've met that, you know, f- financial abuse, domestic abuse can happen really to anyone. And it might seem like a silly question that I'm asking. Are there particular demographics that are more vulnerable to being in that situation? I think the first thing to say is that there aren't any demographics that are not at risk. So even though it's very well recognised that domestic and financial abuse is underreported, even with that knowledge, the Australian Bureau of Statistics has reported that 23%, which is almost a quarter of all Australian women above the age of 15, have experienced at least one incidence of violence by an intimate partner or ex-partner. Having said that, though, research has shown that there are some groups that are more vulnerable, and these include Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, Mm -hmm. culturally and linguistically diverse people, people with a disability, the LGBTIQ plus communities, and people living in regional, rural and remote locations. You know, my mum, one of the first lessons Actually, the most vital lesson she told me about money was you need to earn your own money. <laughs> She's, she didn't explain a lot as to why that was the case. But um, in Singapore, um, like our background, uh, we've got Indian heritage, but we've been there for a few generations, um, is that there can be like a power disparity um, and that financial bit can actually make the disparity even greater. So I think she worked out early on that if she wanted freedom to do whatever she wanted to do, because she was a bit of a rule breaker, she still is. Um, or my, my dad calls her a pain in the ass, that's what he says. Um, <laughs> she, she, that was the lesson she told me. I remember her in one of my, the early part of my relationship, she was like, don't ever let them tell you how to spend your money. Don't let them ever tell you what to do with your money. And I'm like, oh, mom, like, you know how daughters do to mums. You kind of, mm-hmm. kind of shut it out going or you're just, you're just being over the top. But I've realised that that piece of information, I think, potentially has saved me from um, actually being in an abusive relationship because I very clearly mm-hmm. knew that with my earning power, once I could recognise that if it was not the right thing for me, I had the ability to leave. Um and I, I think sometimes young women don't understand That's right. that they can silently end up in that situation. And when they're in it, it's 
it's really quite hard to get around it. Yeah, I just thought I would I would share that 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 you're right. There is no one demographic. I think if we have a whole group of women sitting down and sharing their experiences, you'll be amazed that everyone has a little bit of their story of how they've, you know, if they've managed to come to a point where um, they were standing independently, there may be a time where we haven't. <laughs> We've had to learn the lesson. Yeah. When I mentioned that we did a lot of research to put this, um, to put your toolkit together, and I was absolutely floored by the number of people who helped us in our in our research, either in spending time with us, educating us about mm. women in this situation, or others who were prepared to peer review what we'd written to make sure it was it was the best it could be. Many, many people, many strangers who I only ever met on, you know, over via an email introduction from someone else. And, and in thanking people for their preparedness to help out, the number of times we would have someone come back and say, well, my mother had to leave home because my father used to beat her up or we got taken from school one day and didn't know what was going on and we never saw our father again. Uh, you know, and um, it, it is everywhere. It, it is absolutely everywhere. Like what we mentioned before, financial abuse and emotional abuse I feel can be quite sinister because it doesn't appear as overt. But sometimes some people may not actually realise they are in this position. So how can someone tell that they are, you know, currently being abused financially or emotionally? I'll talk particularly to financial abuse and because that is, um, I guess, where we spent the most time. The thing about any domestic violence is it's all about control. And we've heard that almost all forms of domestic violence include financial abuse because it's this deliberate, malicious intent to control where the woman goes, what she does. Mm. In our experience, um, it is also not uncommon for the woman not to know that this isn't normal. When we did some focus groups with women in this situation early on in our research, one of the things they told us universally universally was you need to educate women about what financial abuse Mm. is because most of them facing it don't even know that that's not what is normal. So financial abuse is is where a woman is prevented from having control over their finances And, and that can include things like knowing about the family finances or having access to money for, you know, a cup of coffee or buying groceries or making any financial decisions, or even using the phone, the internet, or the family car, being prevented from studying or earning money, having their property damaged or stolen. Anything that results in a woman not being in control of her own finances uh, is regarded as financial abuse. What's interesting as well about that section on prepare, is you're talking about technology, and um, even the fact about you know accessing information if you feel that your um, your device is not secure um, to use you know a friend or, or something like that or you could be tracked um, is, is it possible to just maybe expand a bit on that because we're talking about control and, and how people can identify it if we're looking at technology um, how do some perpetrators actually exercise control via the use of technology So I think the biggest thing, um, as I understand it, about online safety and technology safety is awareness. 
um, what you what the woman in this situation needs to be doing is protecting herself from either giving away her location if she's trying to keep that safe or leaving a trail of uh, information that she's looked up on the internet. So we recommend, um, for instance, when you're looking something up on the internet, perhaps your toolkit or perhaps something else, that if you're using your home computer, then you do so in a uh, an incognito mode so that you what you've been looking at or private mode, what you've been looking at isn't able to be traced if you're mm. still at home. Or alternatively, using the computer uh, at your local library or at a trusted friend or family members. If you are uh, conscious, if you have left home and you're concerned that your uh, abuser may find you, so one of the things that's important is that she asks her friends not to post photos or other things on social media that would give away her location or the location of her children. Um, it would be a really sensible thing also to just be aware of potential tracking devices um, that may be placed on, on phones or children's games or computers. Um, be aware that using your credit card can give away your location. Um, so there's a, a whole range of things and there's a lot more about this on your toolkit, but being safe, not giving away your location via the technology or the credit cards you use is an important component of keeping safe. Mm, and I think that's um, that's a good learning for the environment that, we in, that we're in, you know, like I feel that the era, the last 10 years has changed so much in terms of how we use social media and technology. So the, those are really, really good tips because, for some people, it's not the most natural thing to go and check on your browser history or, or things like that. So uh, thanks for sharing those those tips because they're really important. Yeah, I've, I've spoken to women whose um, ex-partners were extraordinarily capable in terms of tracking where they were. Um, mm. and, and it's just really something to be aware of so that whatever you're doing, you're not leaving a footprint if it's important for your safety that your abuser doesn't have access to where you are. So listeners, um, all of this is in your toolkit. Okay, there's the sections and you can go through it and, and there are little tabs with each of that that you can drill down into more information. Um, and as I said, from your experience, what does not having financial control or input affect women in these vulnerable situations? The biggest, uh, we've discussed it before, the biggest impact of not having financial control is their loss of independence and their ability to make their own choices. Um, we touched on that a little earlier mm. with, with your mum yeah. telling you, maintain control of your finances yes. to make yourself able to make your own life choices. And, and the other sad thing is that... Um, Research has shown that lack of financial security is the biggest reason that women return to abusive relationships. Mm. So they can't make choices in the first place, and if they if they do, then often they have to go back because they don't have financial security. Yeah, and I think this is one of the things that gets me about um, unequal retirement outcomes for women yeah. is that the system was based thinking that you're going to be in a partnership, you know, and yes. if you are in a partnership 
you'll be fine. I mean, that's okay if you like your partner and you feel safe with your partner. And it gets me really angry as a participant in this economy that that women might be pushed to stay in a relationship that's unsafe because the alternative is being homeless. Um, that for me is really like, I feel it in me with my emotion right now. I feel really upset by that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's, a, it's a very common story, unfortunately. What are some of the things our listeners can take away from your learnings around the research that, that you've done around this vulnerable group? So, for example, if a woman is listening right now, is in an unsafe position, what are some of the most powerful changes she can make to her money story now? So the answer to this is, is, is very much going to be dependent on each woman's situation, which is why um, the information we've got on your toolkit tries to cover off mm. on, on a range of, of potential situations and circumstances. However, generally speaking, um, I think a really important thing for them to know is that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. uh, domestic abuse is generally very isolating. Yeah. So women in this situation need to know, first of all, that they're not alone and also that there is help out there. The second thing I'd say is um, safety is a priority. So prioritising keeping themselves and their children, if their children involved, safe and knowing who they can call in a crisis. Um, so this gets a bit to uh, what we were talking about before in terms of there are they need to get themselves into a situation where they're able to look after their finances by taking preliminary steps first. So if they're still at home, I'd also say if it's safe to do so, try and understand as much about their personal financial situation as possible. And again, if it's safe, gather together some important documents like passports and birth certificates, uh, you know, in case they, they choose to leave in a hurry. Um, and, and the final thing I would say is uh, try and put any little bits of money away that you can in a safe place. Uh, your toolkit has got a section on setting up uh, your own bank account, for instance, and um, tips for for potentially uh, putting some money aside. One of the things that have come under scrutiny from especially female financial coaches and financial advisors um, is when you've got some money experts calling for joint accounts. Mm. What, what's your view on this, Elissa? You know, do we go with joint accounts or is it important to be able to maintain some sort of separation with that? I don't, this is a, my own personal view, but I don't think it's as simplistic as having separate accounts. Uh, my husband and I have joint accounts, um, but we each have equal access to those accounts and we each uh, have a full understanding of our financial position and what we choose to do with our money together. What's key is that women have access to and control over their finances or their financial situation. Having your own account can give a woman access to money without having to explain what she spends it on, or it can be there in the event of a separation of the relationship, especially if one partner tries to action, tries to take action to limit the other's access to money. I've heard countless stories of women who leave their abusive partner, who then try to withdraw some cash for basic necessities to find their partners either frozen the account 
or withdrawn all the funds. So certainly in a situation like this, a separate account would be invaluable. In all likelihood, however, the woman won't be able to have a separate account if she's being abused unless it's been kept a secret from her partner. Mm. So for this reason, we've included a section about banking, including how to safely set up your own account in in the Your Toolkit website. Key point that you're making there is about having the participation in your financial situation. Exactly. Um, and, yeah. and if you're in a position where you are participating equally with your partner, not so much an issue. But if you find that you're not, the control that's being even applied in that circumstance, then I would say go back to your toolkit, um, look at those resources and, and look at how you can also protect yourself, you know, because sometimes it's not as simplistic as you're in a position or not. It's, Sometimes it's, it's definitely like, it's yeah. definitely not simplistic. No. Yes, yeah, no. and and it's not all about uh, joint accounts or or separate accounts. As a general rule, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is about are you in control or is someone else yes. in control? The most important thing is are you being able to participate, and if not, yeah. why? You know, is is it just a literacy thing, and then you can overcome it and participate anyway, or is it because you're being stopped from doing that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I have separate accounts from my husband, but we actually um we actually join on all the accounts. Um uh, and what it is <laughs> well we join on all the accounts, but I take it away from my internet banking so I can't see what he does and he can't see what I have, but we've we've agreed the bills that we're spitting because we are we're looking at our participation of which bills there are. Um mm-hmm. but I think there's a certain amount of if you're able to have some discretionary spend on yourself on each other, I think that's <laughs> I think that's Absolutely. quite fun because there's no way he can surprise me with anything if we're on the joint account. <laughs> just on <its> own. So, <laughs> so I always tell him, just don't tell me how much you have in your savings and things like that. I don't want to know. I said that that's your your business. But we, we do know all the the bills that are coming through. Um, and um, like personally, even if we're talking away from that, I've just linked it for those of you who've got mortgages. I've linked it to the offset accounts, so anything that we are saving, you know, is um, is helping offset the the mortgage as well. Um, so just a little bit of a deviation away from that. And as sometimes I think it is really awkward when we want to talk about domestic abuse in an open forum. Like if if we if I talk about domestic abuse, let's say in a workplace setting, you can almost hear crickets. Like it's so it's so uncomfortable. You know, how should we be talking about this within our communities? There is absolutely no doubt that domestic violence is an uncomfortable subject. Um, But what happens when we don't talk about it is that the women suffering from it continue to feel alone, continue to feel isolated, and in doing so continue to feel disabled to do anything about the situation. I think it's really critical notwithstanding the discomfort that we shine a light on the very high incidence of family violence so that victims understand they're not alone and that there is a path forward. So as an organisation, Financial Toolbox is about empowering women, but we also acknowledge that men also suffer domestic violence and those men are more than welcome to use your toolkit. It's free and freely available. But in reality, domestic violence is a gendered issue. When you look at the research, the stats all vary but all agree that many, many more women than men are domestic abuse victims. And it's also really important to remember that many men in an audience will have a sister or a mother or a colleague who may well be suffering domestic abuse. And if they're educated about it, they're much better placed to provide support. So so I would say, yes, it's uncomfortable, 
but it's important that just notwithstanding that, it's it's openly talked about. Yeah, because I think what you're seeing, and even with the stats that you've talked about, is that we have listeners, we have people around us, even if it's something that we think is not happening to ourselves personally, there's someone around us who is. Um, yes. And what we can do to help, one of the things we can do to help is to just make sure that people don't feel that they are alone because that helps mm-hmm. to lessen the control maybe of the perpetrator. That, that, that other, Exactly. Yeah. So um, if I could just, just talk to our listeners and, and let's not be afraid to talk about this openly with our communities. Um, you can really be helping someone out by making them feel they've actually got a lifeline to get out of the position that they're in. At the last function that I saw you at, Lisa, fantastic presentation that you did. Um, you. you made a call to action. Um, what can women in the communities and our male advocates uh, support someone they know who is possibly going through domestic abuse or financial abuse? So I think the worst thing that can happen in this situation is to say nothing or do nothing. And people get embarrassed and fearful of interfering in a private matter. There's also the potential for the woman to say, no, nothing's wrong, regardless of the truth, if if she's not ready to admit the abuse or is ashamed or afraid to talk about it. Fear comes into it as well. I think most important is to let the woman know that you're there for her and very critically that you don't judge. It's also good, if you can, to let her know that when she's ready for them, supports are available to her and to help her understand how to protect herself and her children. And, and probably one of the biggest thing uh, is to help her understand that the abuse is not her fault. Mm. A, a lot of abusers have indoctrinated their, their sufferers or their victims with uh, the notion that it, that it is their fault yes. and, and it, it very much is not. So that's a big thing to help them understand as well. And in terms of our listeners, because I would like to think that our listeners are freedom freedom warriors and out there to make a change and, and, and that's who they are. Um, what would you like to ask of our listeners to help spread awareness? Well, in short, please do. Um, we ask people to help us, you know, in presentations that I think you've seen by... Um, telling three friends about the fact that your toolkit exists and asking those friends to tell three more. Mm. So if you, if you think about the statistic that 23% of women have faced violence by a current or former intimate partner since the age of 15, all of your listeners will know someone in this situation, mm. probably probably many people in this situation, whether they're aware of it or not. And, and as you mentioned, uh, you weren't aware of your toolkit, so... They can't access the support that it provides if they don't know that it exists and that it's free and freely available. So, so I think encouraging discussion around domestic violence generally and letting people know the existence of this resource um, specifically would be uh, what I'd ask your listeners to do. So listeners, you know, that's a simple call to action. If you've all got your social media accounts, you'll be able to... Uh, spread awareness about your toolkit um, because you've got the the link um, on the website that gets you there. You've got your Instagram um, connection there via uh, Financial Toolbox, I believe. Is there a separate one for your toolkit as well on 
Instagram or is it just under Financial yes. Toolbox? Yep. Yes, your toolkit has an Instagram account and a Facebook account as well. Okay, perfect. So Facebook, Instagram, um, whichever way you can spread the message. You never know who in your community really needs to see that. So it doesn't really take much for us to be spreading the word. Um, and But I'm sure the impact it could make on someone is huge. Um, Lisa, why should any woman care about their money story? Because understanding and being in control of your financial situation underpins the ability of women, well, of all people, to make their life choices. And it is about creating agency to, to decide to make your own decisions and your own life choices. Mm. I said, if I go back to my mum, my mum didn't teach me about budgeting. <laughs> she didn't teach me about a lot of things. <laughs> what she did teach me was that, that money gives you choices and money yeah. gives you independence. Yeah. Um, so if that for me, if that was my very first lesson, I think I'm, I'm wholeheartedly very grateful for yeah. her just teaching me that as a young woman. Uh, and then I'll, I'll learn the other bits as I, I got older. That's a great lesson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's what you're saying is that regardless of which choice we make, it's nice to be able to make a choice. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Knowing your money story helps that. The corporate theme, because there are many themes for International Women's Day, um, and I would like to say International Women's Day is every day, so I'm going to talk yes. about it. <laughs> Is is choose to challenge. That's one of the themes. What would you like our listeners to challenge around domestic abuse? A couple of things. Um, I think, firstly, challenge themselves to the very real likelihood that someone they know will be facing or has faced domestic abuse. It is very real and very widespread, and that could be quite confronting to to open up to the possibility that someone you know may well be going through this. The other thing I'd, I'd like to challenge, and, and I hear uh, not from people in the sector but perhaps people who who don't have experience or understanding of, of, of the situation these women are in is, why doesn't she just leave? Mm. And that observation dismisses the impact on the women of the abuse they've suffered and the impact on their confidence and sense of agency. So it's really, really important to couple um, the understanding that people may well be experiencing abuse who you know with uh, compassion and a, and a lack of judgment. And observations like why doesn't she just leave um, are really not helpful. So that's, I guess that's what I'd like to, um, to invite your listeners to challenge a very powerful point because the way I think we've been set up in society is not to talk about it we don't talk about it it doesn't exist exactly we're saying it's very real it exists mm. it's it's actually hurting a lot of people um and if we can just play a part in being more supportive of people going through this circumstance or if you're going through this right now just understanding you're not alone um I think that's a responsibility all of us have within the community um yeah so thank you thank you so much for your time Elisa you've been um you know just a fountain of knowledge <laughs> with, <laughs> around this topic um and I think I've learned so much as well from just the various presentations that you have made as well I think you've made me consider more things even as a financial advisor uh, because we take things for granted when we see set segments it's not built into our financial planning process it's good to know that a resource like your toolkit is actually there, um, even for someone like me to be 
able to give as a resource to someone else because I might not have the tools myself to help. Yeah, that, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining our circle of stories. Subscribe for new episodes. Let's change how the story ends.